0: Andy Cope and welcome to the most uplifting podcast in the world. As a positive psychology researcher I'm excited, delighted and honoured to be sitting in the podcast hot seat. The aim is to bring you guests who have something interesting or insightful or inspirational. They might have a story to tell, something clever, something simple, anything goes. We hope to inspire, educate, entertain and on a good day maybe even make you chuckle. And why should you listen? Well we figure life is relentless, it's full on. And most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. So think of this podcast as a reminder or maybe a leg up to being a better version of you. Sometimes against the odds. So relax, open your ears, open your mind and allow me to bring you this week's amazing episode of the best podcast in the world. On with the show. Okay, so I I can't begin to say how delighted and excited I am to be uh, be joined by Gavin Oates today, and I'm going to give I'm not going to give Gavin the big big intro right now, but what I'm going to do is give him the big intro in a little while. Um, hello, fella. How you doing? I'm very, very well, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, uh, No worries, mate. No worries. And um, what I'd like to do is kind of just have a, re- a little chat about uh, what you used to do, mate. So it's, it's, uh, your standard interview question is uh, tell me a bit about yourself,
1: mate. <laughs> no problem. So, well, I'm, I'm 37 uh, just now. And um, I'll take you way back to when I left school. I was just about to turn 18 and I headed to university of up in Aberdeen where I spent four years training to become a primary school teacher of all things. Um, learned a huge amount over that four years, had an incredible experience training as a primary school teacher, loved most of it um, and then I graduated in 2001 and uh All the way through that four years, I had also been working away in the background as a stand-up comedian. I had been writing from when I was about 12. I was obsessed with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember hiding behind the sofa when I was a kid, when it was Vic Reeves' Big Night Out. I wasn't allowed to watch it, but my brother was. (laughs) I I hid behind the sofa watching, and I could not believe that somebody would go on stage and be so silly, and it was magnificent. I loved it. And then, so I was obsessed with that from a young age, and I used to write and create sketches, and I used to try stuff out in front of the kids when I was doing my my teaching placements and so on. And then um, I, I had done some gigs during university. In fact, I'd done quite a lot of gigs during university all over the UK, but being based in Aberdeen, is not, it's not the easiest place to, for, for getting around doing stand-up comedy on an evening when you need to be back yeah. to be in the classroom the next day. Um, but we, we kept going and we kept going. And so when I graduated from uni, I taught for a few months um, and then I decided to give the the comedy a shot. And it took me as far as Australia, um, the Melbourne Comedy Festival did a sell-out show there in wow. 2002, uh, New Zealand, and then travelled across the States and then came, came back to Scotland... Um, and the comedy, uh, fell apart, um, cause I was actually one half of a double act. And when one half of your double act decides to call it a day, kind of leaves you in a bit of a sticky situation. <laughs> so, uh, it yeah. t- turns out people wanted the two of us. So I, uh, back into the classroom and it was at that point that I really started to appreciate being a teacher and really started to enjoy, um, educating. Um, and I I, I really realised at that point that, you know, when you've got potentially 30 children sat in front of you from nine o'clock to half past three, you need to hone your people skills and you need to be able to um, entertain, you need to be able to enlighten, you need to be able to educate, you need to be able to, to do that thing that, that captures them and makes them feel amazing and learn lots and I I just
0: it makes perfect sense now mate actually because I didn't know about the comedy stuff so how long did you do the classroom so how long were you in the classroom how many years did you do that
1: so in total it was two years so four years training and two years of, of actual teaching Okay, right now,
0: now pause there just for a second, my friend, because I know that you—it's a bit of a loss to teaching that you actually aren't in the classroom anymore. But kind of you are in the classroom still, because I know that you do lots of uh, keynotes, uh, talks for teachers and stuff. Can I can I just interject with when I first met you, because I was invited um, uh, north of the border to do a talk, and I think it was at St Andrews Golf Club, which is a very swanky. Uh, these are the world's oldest golf club, so it's very nice. And I knew about you, so I saw the agenda the itinerary i knew you were on there and i'd heard good things but i'd never seen you speak so i deliberately booked the early flight from east midlands to get there to hear you flight was delayed sods law mm-hmm. and i <laughs> it was one of those awkward moments when you get to um uh a, a conference and it's in full swing and i had to sneak in at the back so i snuck in at the back there's 150 people listening to this keynote speaker and you absolutely nailed it mate right and i don't oh, want i you. don't want to sort of right i know you're going to want to interject because you're going to be really <laughs> embarrassed by this but it was it was in full swing so it was an absolute joy I would put it as the best keynote I've heard in a very long time, if not ever. I was, uh, Not only was I entranced, I, it, it, it was funny, it was poignant, it was simple, it was uplifting. It was everything a keynote should be. And I, I felt two things. First of all, I felt joy at, oh my gosh, this is amazing, this is wonderful. And then the second thing, of course, I felt was panic because I'm on next. <laughs> and, and you know, as a keynote speaker, it's great to follow the chief executive financial officer, who's bored the pants off everybody with the, with the, with the, and <laughs> <laughs> the last thing i need last thing i need is to is to follow you but it was enlightening mate it's a couple of years ago now and that talk still lives with me so this is the this is what you do on a daily basis now so it is. so wh- when did all that start when did how did well, you get into
1: that well firstly can i say thank you very much that really means the world to me i'll, I'll just very quickly let, let a, uh, quickly let you in on a quickly let you know a secret so um and I don't mind saying this on you. You you have been a hero of mine for some time now, um, and that all started through your through your books, of course. Um, and I also found out that you were going to be speaking on that day when I got the agenda, and I was absolutely gutted. I was devastated because I couldn't be around <laughs> for the afternoon to see you speak because I,
0: mutual love in my Well, love well it, this
1: yeah. is it. This is it. But I had to go and do another talk somewhere else, and I knew I wasn't going to get to see you. And then I, and then I realised. You're not going to get to see me. So from a selfish perspective, I was devastated because I was thinking, I can't see you. I would love for you to have seen me. And I was thinking, but you're not going to be there. And then, of course, I've already started. I'm on stage. And as you've mentioned, you came in late. And as I saw you come in, I got a fright. And I... But that rush of nervousness because you walked into the room and I think it was that that made me up my game. So, hey, mate.
0: Oh well, thank well you I for did. that. Yeah, well, I mean, do you know what? Can I also tell you off the record before we go back? Uh, well, not off the record because <laughs> he's on the podcast. But I talked to I talked to my team about who we're going to interview on the podcast. I said, well, I've got Gavin Oates lined up. He's, he's just the most amazing. So some of my team are going, well, we shouldn't have him on then, should we? What if he, <laughs> if he's, he's better than us. Why are we promoting somebody else? and i said and i guys guys you're missing the point here you know if, if he's really really good then should we not it's people like you who keep people like us on our toes so i think you're really really good and i don't think it's competition mate i think the the world needs world class speakers it needs people who can make a real difference so how did you get from the classroom back into into the keynote speaking thing
1: so i was teaching in a school called trenent primary school in east lothian just outside Edinburgh, and um, I had been doing a a maternity cover, and I'd been there for a few months, and I and I, like I say, I was really loving my teaching, and I, as a, as a staff, we got the opportunity to go on a workshop uh, called "Putting the Fun Back in the Staff Room," and <laughs> yeah. my initial thought was, "No thanks." Um, my initial thought was, I, I know what this is going to be like. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be cheesy. It's going to be corny. And uh, it's going to be the usual rubbish um, that I've seen in my very short teacher career. So unfortunately, that's where my mindset was at the time. Um, but I had to go. Um, so I went. And um, to be very honest with you, Andy, it blew my mind. Um, it was everything... It was the opposite of everything that I thought it would be. It was it was fantastic. It was engaging. It was fun. It was moving. Um, there was moments where I was right up there, like tears of laughter, and then moments where I, I I was felt like crying for all sorts of other reasons. And it was it was amazing. And I learned loads. And right at the end, well, all the way through, I'd been thinking, this is this person's job. They actually travel all over the world, <laughs> getting up and saying these things and making people feel the way that I'm feeling right now it's stand up comedy meets primary school teaching it's it's my it's my two passions in one and i could i couldn't mate i couldn't believe it i thought this is a thing so um i right at the end the guy stood there and he said see if you hate your job and i thought i don't hate my job i, I, I love my job but i do sometimes wonder if there's other stuff I could be doing and then he said or maybe you don't hate your job you love your job you just sometimes wonder if there's other stuff you could be doing and I'm like that's what I was thinking this guy's guy's a genius he said I've got some groundbreaking advice for you leave go away let everybody else get on with what they love to do get a smile back in your face and go find something that makes you happy and the first thing I did was look at the woman beside me and think she should leave um, and uh, I started picking people off, and then I stopped myself, and I was like, right, Gavin, this is not what this was about today. This, was, this wasn't this was about other people and the impact that they have. This was about you. This is how you choose to think, how you choose to act, how you choose to behave, how you choose to learn, how you choose to feel, the impact that you have, first and foremost. Um, and uh, I went home that evening, um, phoned the guy that had uh, been running the workshop, uh, thanked him very much for his time. He offered me a job uh, and I handed my notice in the very next morning.
0: Whoa, uh, okay, okay. So so it was awesome staff development that, that changed your life then and take, took you on this different direction.
1: It, it, it was, and it put a completely different perspective on staff development for me. And I have, ever since then, I have seen all forms of staff development um, as a real shining light it's a real positive and i know i'm very very aware of you i mean it's you i mean that was that was just over 13 years ago now in fact it was almost i know it was it was 13 and a half years ago and you know i, I staff development staff training I, I i hold it in a much higher esteem now it, it was yeah it, it was like it, do you know what it sounds corny it, but it was genuinely life changing that wow. moment so yeah, well, isn't that
0: interesting that now you are delivering that kind of stuff, which is genuinely life changing, and I think you've probably yeah. raised the bar on. So I'm, I'm imagining all these people are coming on your courses now and having an even better experience than you had on that day because you know you are that good. If I can, I just do, do, do a little thing that springs into mind when you're talking about that. You're talking about impact, and you're talking about doing what you love and playing to your strengths, which is all around the themes of what we do on positive psychology. And I'm just writing, um, just trying to write a teenage book actually, and I, I'm thinking about, you know, when you were Back to the old black and white westerns and the and the gold rush and you know there's gold in them there hills and there's this mad gold rush so California and Arizona got flooded with guys with pickaxes, and I'm thinking yeah but the gold there are big hills aren't they? and there's not much gold so what happens is a lot of men ended up toiling forever without ever actually finding the gold so I think a lot of it's knowing where to look and and and, and in terms of that metaphor about looking within yourself and finding the best version of you and once you come alive. Because once you come alive, then then you know you have this massive impact on the people around you, um, and I think that's what you've done, isn't it? You found a way of bringing b- the best of the best version of you um, brings out the best in other people.
1: Well, I think I think I mean we've all sat on training sessions in the past that have probably been well, we'll all, we've all experienced great training sessions, great keynote speeches, and we've all experienced terrible training sessions and terrible keynote speeches, and I think. The, yes, the content is important, um, but I, I always remember my very first day as a, a, a teaching student, not not on placement, but as a, a student. I remember an, an old lecturer saying to me, and this is, I mean, this, we'll all have heard this phrase before, but it was new to me when I was almost 18 years of age. She said, you know, wh- whoever you work with in life, Gavin, they, whether it's children or adults, they're, they're not going to remember everything you tell them, but they will remember exactly how you made them feel. and you know Whether I'm standing up now in front of um, 50 schoolchildren or whether I'm standing out in front of 2,000 chief execs from world's leading organisations, it, it, the same stands. The content, yes, is important, but they're not going to remember everything I say, but they will all remember how I made them feel. And, and for me, when you come alive, when your passion, if you're able to tell your passion in the form of stories and it's real and it's not... You're not making it up because you you know yourself, Andy. People people see through you a million well, miles. Well, there's big. an
0: authenticity about about what you have to say about what you say, isn't there? And yeah. I, I, what, that once again that weaves in with what I was going to I was going talk to you about anyway is, is your talk. So the one I heard wasn't academic. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a single big word. It was largely it was about children actually, which yeah. and mindfulness. So I don't think you even mentioned mindfulness, but it basically was about mindfulness and living in the moment. Yeah. So where does your material come from? I mean it
1: is a lot sort of child driven. It is, I think I, I think that's maybe it. I think it is all stemming from I mean it's changed a lot over the years, but I think the 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 root of it is going back to the pri- the primary st- the primary classroom. Um, I actually think I learned more working with children under, under the age of ten than I've ever learned from any <laughs> any adult. Um, their their mindset, their attitude, the the way they embrace learning, the way they embrace change, compared to adults trying to embrace change. I mean, it, it, you know, I always remember those moments in the classroom where I, I was sitting at my desk doing a bit of marking and the kids are all in their little groups doing their thing as they're meant to be doing and all of a sudden the the queue forms at at, at the side of your desk um and they're all standing there with with an open book now we've all stood in that queue as a child and that's an open book in their hands and they're they're standing with great big smiles on their faces and they're they're usually saying something like i'm finished what's next And at that age, there is just this unbelievable desire, this want, this drive to to succeed, to push onwards and upwards. Even if you know that that next level of maths or reading or whatever it is, is too much for you, give me it, bring it on, show me how it's done, and I'll prove to you that I can do this. And every day, my mind was completely and utterly blown by by their attitudes towards that, that passion towards the next step of the learning adventure. And so like I say, I, I really believe I learned more I was I was more inspired by by kids, and then of course, uh, almost nine years ago, my my first my my child my first child popped along, um, and that changed things again. And so I, I I have two kids. I have a son who's about to turn nine next week, uh, called Kian, and I have a daughter called Ellis who's five. And a lot of my stories, a lot of my. Anecdotes are based around my children, children from the classroom. You made a, a comment there that it, it my, my stuff's not academic. I actually do use a lot of science and psychology, but I I present it with real life stories about about kids and and just their whole outlook in the world because you know, a lot of people go to work, um particularly on a Monday, you know, a bit frustrated or a bit bored or a bit tired. Um, whereas my daughter and my son, they, they dance their way to school on a Monday morning. <laughs> so,
0: so, so when do we lose that then, mate? Because I, it tallies with my experience as well, is that... Uh... School kids, you know, uh, they, they, they just love kind of coming to school. They love learning. And then in organisation, at what point do we get the enthusiasm knocked out of us? What's going wrong with with the world where you get this Monday? Where, at what point do you learn that jumping in puddles is bad or that Mondays are yeah. bad and Fridays are do good? You know,
1: it's. it's you know, it's funny. Speaking of jumping in puddles, we my, my daughter, obviously she's five, occasionally still catches the odd episode of Peppa Pig. I don't know if you've ever, oh, if you've ever very, seen very it. Oh, I'm very,
0: Oh, high with Peppa Pig, yes. Oh,
1: and uh, the whole jumping in puddles. I, I heard of Fantastic line! I can't remember if it was Daddy Pig or Grandpa Pig. I think it was Daddy Pig, and Peppa says to her daddy, "Is is is that real?" And her dad says, "Oh, it's much, it's much better than real life, Peppa. It's pretend." I just thought that was I thought it was absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Um, anyway, um, so when does I, 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 I don't think it? Uh, I don't think it gets knocked out of us. I think I think it's a gradual process for some of us. I think we we. We become society, Andy, and I think society has an awful lot to answer for, and it needs people like you. It needs people like your organization, my organization out there challenging these perceptions and these mindsets. Because, you know, my one of, one of the stories I tell in, in one of my, my keynotes is um, uh, my son's first day at school. And you, you may have heard me tell us before, I'm not sure, um, but my son's first day at school was was a Friday, which is a bit odd, um, but hey, Edinburgh City Council and all that. And on the on the Monday of that week, I woke up at six and Kim was stood beside me in his full school uniform. <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying to him, what, why are you wearing your uniform? He said, can you not tell? And I was like, I can't tell. Why are you wearing your uniform? He said, like, Dad, it's obvious. I'm practising. And, you know, he practised on Monday, he practised on Tuesday, he practised on Wednesday, he practised on Thursday. We had to wake him on Friday because he forgot, but that's not the point. He had done really well up until that point, and he threw his uniform on, and he came sprinting into our room, and I said to him, I have never seen you this excited. And he looked at me and his mum, and he said, do you know what, I've never been this excited in my entire life. And he put his hands on his hips, and he said very seriously, and I've been alive for five years. And um <laughs> I said to him that's you wait till he's
0: fifteen, mate. You won't be able that's to get him out of bed to go to school. Oh yeah. my <laughs> no,
1: And uh, I said to him, that's quite excited. And he said, I'll show you how excited I am and he put his hands out to the side as far as he could and he said, I'm this much excited. And do you know everybody remembers being five and that much excited is the most excited you can ever be. Was was he also terrified at the first step of school? The first, yeah, of course it was. But he was, it was the arm stretched out. It was like, I'm this much excited. There was just this. I, I remember saying to my wife, Ali, um, who's a, a deputy head teacher at high school in Edinburgh, I remember saying to her, isn't it incredible that there's all these little kids waking up today, scared? Yes, but that excited about the next step of the learning adventure. And then we had this discussion about, isn't it amazing how some people hold on to that forever? And then we had this weird discussion about, isn't it strange how some people never feel like that again? Some people lose it, some people it comes and goes, some people have it a little bit. So when does it disappear? I, I think when we leave primary school and we go to high school, there is such a jump, there is such a shift Um, from all singing, all dancing, um, super colourful, fun, imaginative ways of doing things to a way of learning and being presented with learning that is just far too corporate, far too grown up, far too serious. And all of a sudden, the days of, to go back to jumping in the puddles, the days of jumping in the puddles or the days of playing hide and seek or the days of playing tag or the days of just play, just playing are seen as, that's very that's very primary school, that's very nursery, that's very early years, that's childish. Um, I mean, we all know the well-known scientific fact that children learn best through play, but why why do we not learn about the one adults learn best through play?
0: Well, you see, you're talking about teenagers getting stuck in this kind of slightly humdrum version of themselves, But that's, like you say, the pressure on the system, the teachers are being pressurised, their heads are being pressurised, it gets passed down. And uh, I mean, my son who's a who's 18 now, I think pretty much year 11 or age 15, pretty much killed his love of learning. I mean, there was so much pressure at school. It wasn't a joy and a pleasure. He he wasn't getting ready in his school uniform at 6am. He didn't really want to go to school. And he's quite a bright academic lad, but the system was squeezing the fun out of it. So I think you're onto something there. And I I, I guess ultimately, well, my research in positive psychology has ended up being about what I call the two percenters, this very small percentage of people in the population who maintain their enthusiasm and their vivacity and their passion and their positivity. And every, every listener to this podcast can think of probably a handful of people in their life who are genuinely upbeat and positive to the point whereby you catch it off them. They're great, they're energizers, they're genuinely upbeat, positive people. They're not faking it, and it's not jazz hands leaping around, oh, yeah. you know, woohoo, yep. but it's, yep. there's something about them that makes you feel good. And I, I call that flourishing, and I guess ultimately. This, I think, it, what you're saying is, as a ch- we had that, we had that when we were five, <laughs> yes. and then by by the age of forty-five, we've lost it. So, um, well, it's about yeah. regaining that. I think for a lot of people, and that's what you are trying to instil back in them.
1: Yeah, and, and whether we're working in schools, colleges, unis, businesses, small companies, giant companies, that's absolutely what we're out to do is to help people rediscover that that what I call that wee piece of magic um it's that it's that inner child and um you know i as as you know i I call it the mary poppins effect and it's just being able to come into a room and you don't even have to say anything you're you're just that person you come in a room and you can light the place up you can help people to feel better about themselves and as you say it's not jazz hands it's not running in all happy clappy it's not about that um it's about tapping into something that's actually far, far more meaningful than that, yeah, yeah. and it and it takes effort. It takes real effort. It's it's you know for somebody to enjoy their job, for somebody to have a, a a truly meaningful, positive working experience. You don't you don't just turn up for work and do it. You know it's hard. It's hard, hard, and it's it's exhausting. It's ex- If you get to end of your working week knackered because you're doing something that you are passionate about if that you are that you feel of value as part of and that you value that's that's hard going that is absolutely exhausting yeah. but, but it's in a yeah. good way well it's healthy. once again
0: academic, if we bring it back to this sort of, I don't want to bring it back to the academia necessarily, but uh, in my PhD I call it a portable benefit, and by a portable benefit I mean these handful of people you can think about in your life who are genuinely upbeat and positive. You can put them in any job and they will shine. So it actually this is less about the job and it is more about the, what I call the mental strategies, the intentional strategies that these people have in their head that allow them to feel great, and that is there is effort involved. You've absolutely nailed that. It is harder to be your best self and it's very easy to default to sort of bog standard and be what society expects you to be which is a little bit moany and grumbly and dour and downbeat the weather whatever and I've started telling my audiences that we, we've always talked about these 4,000 weeks, this, this valuable sort of lifespan that we have, the average lifespan. You might get a few more, you might get a few less, but the average podcast listener today, we're going to get 4,000 weeks to make a dent in the universe. And I've only just realised, mate, I've just turned 50. I've only just realised that wherever I go, I'm there and I think, yeah. if, you know, and I, I, what I mean by that is that I think some people twig a bit earlier than me. But what that means is I can be standing at a queue in the supermarket and I can think, oh, my gosh, I'm in the queue at the supermarket. I can get home in my kitchen and think, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm at home in my kitchen. And I'm, I'm basically, I'm trapped with myself for 4,000 weeks. I cannot escape from me. And all the listeners, you can't escape from you. You're trapped with yourself. So... I think your message seems to be the same as my message is, if you're stuck with yourself for 4,000 weeks, you may as well work at being stuck with somebody you're proud of or the version of you that shines with the ready-break glow on the outside rather than the bog-standard, ground-down version of you. So it's worth putting the effort in. And I think you've articulated it probably, you know, certainly as well, if not better, than I ever do. So so thanks for that. No problem. Can I ask you one more, mate? Can I ask you one more? Of course. Um, I, it's a kind of theme that I'm going to go with all the podcasts and that is basically what makes you happy because um, I mean not everybody has a good day every day I and mean, everybody has downtime but actually what what is it for you that makes you really happy?
1: I think um, I mean there's all sorts of things ping to mind and, and some of them might be some of them are probably very very common and obvious answers. I think well, tell me, tell my, me the
0: common and obvious. Tell me the common and okay, obvious. Okay,
1: my, my, my children. Yeah. Um, my, I mean, my, my son and my daughter are, and my wife are absolutely everything, and I'm a real uh, a real family person. I, I mean, albeit I get up on stages all over the world and talk to sometimes thousands of people, and I'll talk and talk and talk, and I'll make people laugh and feel great. Out, out off stage, I'm very quiet. Um, I'm very a very private person. I keep myself to myself with my family. Um. Um, so my family uh absolutely blow my mind every day with with love and learning and and their enthusiasm and their happiness. My wife is extraordinary um she's one of these people that just goes out every day and changes the world in in some way and we we met when 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 we were eighteen um I remember her coming home from her first ever teaching placement. Um, thinking you've you've just changed the world, and then you know on Friday she came home from her post as a deputy head teacher. She's just about to start her headship training of a that she works in the high school, um, and our, and on Friday I'm thinking wow you've you've just changed the world. You know she's that person. She's amazing. So my family make me happy. Um, um, do you know I love I love going on holiday. I love traveling. I love the sunshine. But there was one one moment that happened for me about two years ago that um is actually this is going to sound really trivial and really simple but this is one of the happiest moments where I actually captured myself I caught myself rather just sitting there thinking I don't know if it gets better than this and and that and when I when I give you the, the the example you you might not think much of it but there was a moment for me and we were in we were in Menorca and it was Ali the kids and myself and it was the first time we'd ever been abroad, the four of us and we were just waiting for my daughter to be that wee bit older just to to so she could really enjoy being away and we did one of these uh, family holiday village things where you've got loads of great activities if you want them or not and it was all inclusive so eat as much as you want etc and we'd said to the kids day one we we were outside the pool, glorious sunshine we said do you want do you want an ice lolly or an ice cream? And the two of them, their faces just lit up. And they, and they were like, right now, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. And of course, when you go to these places, you, can eat a, you just eat all the ice cream you want. That's the whole point. And I was like, you can have any ice lolly or any ice cream that you want. And Kian turned around and he was like, anything. And I was like, yep. And he said, do we, how do we? we? where do we go? And I said, you go over to that giant freezer. And you help yourself. And he looked at me, and he's like, "But what about the money?" And I said, like, "No, it's all paid for. You you don't need to give over any money." And Ellis turned around and said, "So we just go over, we open the fridge, and we take ice lollies and we eat them." I said, like, "That's all. That's all. I'm, that's all you need to do." And Andy, at see that moment. See the look on my children's yeah, faces. You see the look on my, my face, mate. Like, I've massive smile on my face. Yeah, just that that moment. I have. I. If if I could have bottled the feeling among the four of us in that moment with the sun shining, the ice lollies, the happiness, the joy, if I could bottle that and sell that, I would be a billionaire right now. Uh, And uh, it was just it was just that moment. And I've actually I'm actually contemplating getting a tattoo this year of an ice lolly. Um, purely 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 <laughs> because of because of that um because this is the year that i get my first tattoo that's another story for another okay, day we'll and um, time, yeah. so so then um so yeah that those those are the moments but there, there are other things so i i the stand-up comedy for example i am um, i was part of a, another comedy show called the color ham very strange name with two other guys um and we created something that that there had never been before. And it was a a sketch, magic and mentalism show. Um, So it was very surreal, very off the wall, very Vic and Bob, very Monty Python, very childish, very rude, very adult, but with the most mind-blowing mentalism and magic you could imagine. And those moments on stage with, with those two guys where you don't even need to say anything, you know, you just know what's coming next. You just you know what they're thinking you've got hundreds of people in front of you and they're just in that moment with you as they laugh and as you blow their mind those those moments make me happy when you have created something that you passionately believe in and it has it has that impact and i guess you know my final thing is is the work that i do getting up in front of an audience and inspiring and motivating and engaging on on a level that maybe someone I've never experienced before in a training session or at a keynote in a conference. I don't want to come on. I mean, I said to you when I met you, I've never used a PowerPoint in my life. I don't know how to make a PowerPoint. Um, If somebody books me to come and speak, I'm going to come and speak about something that I truly believe in. I'm going to share stories with them. And then, and you know, Andy, when they come with you on that journey, when they sit there and go, do you know what? I'm going to go with this. And it doesn't always happen. You know that there'll be one or two people along the way who you're not their kind of person. And that's fine. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but when you're in that moment and that room full of people decide, yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to come with you on this one. Um, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take on board what you say. Ah, oh, mate, it just, it it blows my mind and um, it keeps me awake at night. Uh, in a good way um, so I realized i I've thrown about a million things at you there hey, question. Mate. No, no well, they no...
0: but they're all experiences aren't they they're, they're, they're just magic moments yeah. and, and the ice lolly one for me I mean that just uh, nails it <laughs> it, is, uh, it is you can't get any happier than the unlimited yeah. ice lollies yeah. the... that's my moment that's my moment <laughs> alright mate look well I'm going to finish it there but I was just like you know I knew I knew when I, uh, I I twisted your arm to talk to us I knew you were going to be good I didn't know quite how good so that was just amazing I can't tell you how much I've gleaned from today Um, and I think you've reinforced the fact that we also are on message with what we're talking about because we're not a million miles away it is the impact you have it's the choices that you make it's the effort you put into being the best version of you and that will resonate with the people around you i guess the challenge is for all the listeners is to how how can we maintain our brilliance when the world is trying to beat it out of us I and i guess that's why they need world-class training so so fella thank you ever so much so gavin oates thank you very much indeed good luck with um all the keynotes and all the uh, life stuff you. you continue to do and um i'll speak to you next time everybody else thanks yep. for listening
1: Yep, very grateful thank you And that, dear
0: listener, is that. I hope you found it as interesting and as useful and as stimulating as I did. Congratulations, by the way, on making such a great choice of listening material. Please subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I wish you well.